My name is Merrill Dubrow, CEO of Mark Research. I'm a 35-year veteran of the research and insights community and the host of our podcast, On The Mark. On The Mark is focusing on executives and thought leaders in the world, sharing their insights, strategies, and personal experiences. I promise this podcast will be filled with tough, pointed questions with real, insightful, and emotional answers. I can't tell you how excited I am for today. Three guests, three professionals, three of my favorite people in the insights community. Today's guests are Anita Watkins, Global Head of Qualitative of Kantar. Anita, welcome to the On The Mark podcast. Thanks so much. Glad to be here. Karen Morgan, President of Morgan Search International. Karen, hope you're doing great. Thanks for being on the On The Mark podcast. Thanks so much for having me. And Simon Chadwick, Managing Partner at Canberra Consulting. And in my opinion, the man who knows everything about the insights industry, Simon. Welcome to the On The Mark podcast. Thank you, Meryl. Great to be here. All right, guys. We're going to start. Anita, I just drew your straw. You get the short straw. But I'm going to start with an easy question, Anita. So there I am, minding my own business in Brooklyn, New York at Quirks in March of this year. So about eight months ago. And everybody started to talk about the pandemic. Frankly, I didn't know what it was. I couldn't spell it. Didn't think it would have any effect. Went home to Dallas thinking the same thing. And then a week later, boom, everybody's working out of the house. But the first area that that got whacked with the pandemic was qualitative. So here's my easy question. What are the thoughts going through your mind? Because your title is queen of qualitative in the world. I mean, I've said on numerous times that you were the most important and powerful qualitative researcher in the entire world. Boom. This hit you square in the face. Take us through that, would you? Oh my gosh. Well, absolutely did it hit us square in the face because just three weeks prior to that early March date that you mentioned, we had hosted over 60 qualitative leaders from all over the globe in London for a meeting um, in early February. And at that point, it was really only some of our colleagues from China and Singapore and Japan who were not able to travel in. So, of course, we took precautions and, you know, uh, had hand sanitizer and had people, you know, kind of. But at that point, we weren't really even thinking about this spreading in, in as we were at the early March stage. And as soon as that happened, I mean, I panicked. I first, I have to be honest, you know, as a leader, you think you're in control of everything. But we had $150 million worth of revenue in 2019 that was face-to-face worldwide. And it's also on my shoulders. And we had some markets who had never done any kind of technology qualitative ever. So we had to quickly um, get busy and start, you know, rapidly changing course. We went into serious modes of getting platforms approved for local markets who had not been doing work, uh, training and, and mentoring from other countries, leaning in to help and initially having lots of team conversations and, of course, client conversations about how can we take the work that's already in the pipeline and pivot quickly to, to move to online and still ensure that we can answer those client questions properly and yet still think about, okay, now how do we manage to um, also save any upcoming business that we were planning for the year with new clients? So it was quite a moment of panic and then uh, taking a deep breath and then just starting to get to work. 
You know, it's funny. Len Schlesinger, it was COO of The Limited. He also at one point was president of Babson and he's also on the faculty of Harvard Business School. And I've been taught by Len and was in a class through Omnicom University at Babson. And he talked about an oh shit moment, right? He talked about your best performer, your highest revenue producer walks in and gives notice that oh shit moment, right? And I got to believe that was for you. I mean, think about that. 150 million of face-to-face work global affecting 900 or 950 qualitative researchers. And I've got to believe you know, because Kantar has some of the best and brightest leadership team. I mean, it's impressive, seriously. But I assume you had to make some cuts pretty quickly. They weren't sitting around twiddling their thumbs saying, oh, we'll get through this, no problem. We didn't make any changes initially, but we had to really look at, okay, what are we going to do in terms of making this shift and getting people prepared? And, you know, you have your go-to team, I'm sure, in your organization and through your career, and you have those people in Kantar. So immediately, you know, I called up my experts in the, in the technology digital qual field all over the world and started to kind of put together a plan about how are we going to actually tackle this problem and, you know, very quickly. So there was a lot of weekend work. There was a lot of very long days in March. And by about middle May, I have to say that we were able to pivot so quickly that we went from about 15% of our work being digital in 2019 to over 90% in mid-May. So within about two months, we made a shift and it was, our revenue had been down, of course. We had clients stopping projects and you know some not bidding because of going into lockdowns and whatnot. But to be able to shift that quickly was, I think, quite impressive. And I think it speaks to the power of people just rolling up their sleeves, you know, leaning in to help each other even when it might not help themselves in their own market. We had markets from, you know, China helping Japan to shift online from the U.S. to helping, you know, other countries in Latin America. I mean, it was really a global effort that, you know, I'm really proud of actually uh, looking back on it. I'm starting to kind of get emotional thinking about it. <laughs> if you need to take a moment and, you know, get a tissue, I I, have, I wish I could hand it to you, but we're a thousand miles apart. But I mean, it is emotional because what we've gone through is really hard, Anita. Yeah. And let me ask you this. I'll, 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 and before I move on to Karen Morgan, and this is just a yes, no question. I'm um, really um, interested in this. Is the, you know, you've gone from 15% digital to 90%, which by the way, pat on the shoulder, that is impressive. Is it more profitable? Yes or no? We're working on that. I mean, in some places we have been able to maintain uh, good margins, but in general, in the past, you know, we have not seen um, the move to digital be necessarily profitable across the board like it might have been in the quantitative field. That's great. Well, Karen Morgan, the pandemic hasn't touched the search consulting business. I know everybody is hiring at a a record clip, right? (laughs) Right. It's booming. You've been in business how many years, Karen? 20 years. 20 years. And I know this is the most money you've ever made in those 20 years, Karen. I know you are you are booming, oh, yeah. um, placing people left and right. I mean, geez, if it if it hit qualitative first, it probably hit you right afterwards, like a second afterwards. I assume a lot of open wrecks went away. How have you been able to navigate through the pandemic? Yeah, well, Meryl, thank you for understanding that because I think some people had absolutely understood that immediately. And then some people I was talking to 
seemed to think that my business would be booming. Oh, yeah, um, no. <laughs> okay, no. Um, it, yeah, I mean, it, it was extraordinary. I felt like someone just shot off the lights. I've never seen anything like it. There were so many unknowns, and most companies just hit pause. So, uh, you know, really a lot of what I've been doing is just really trying to be supportive and helping people where I can and sort of just getting creative and um, just what I'm hearing from a lot of people, which is so difficult, is they're out there looking and it's just really, it's really, really hard. Obviously, there just aren't jobs for the amount of people. So it's just really about being, you know, just being supportive, giving advice, trying to get also just, you know, the relate deep relationships I do have, talking to them. At the beginning, companies, my clients were saying, look, you know, we're hitting pause, but we're definitely still open to having conversations as long as people understand it's more with an eye to the future. And so that made me a little optimistic. And then I think that went away. The good news is there are definitely some glimmers of hope. And obviously, there is hiring going on, right? And there's a lot of people referring each other. You know, it's a small community, which you understand. We're all trying to help each other. Um, oh, yeah. So I've just been, look, I mean, the, the positive thing is I've had time to sort of focus on some things as we all, you know, you don't always have time to focus on certain things in your business when you're sort of in the business. And then I've been doing more, you know, outreach and also doing a lot of, you know, podcasts. And uh, I'm actually about to launch my own YouTube channel just with career advice and also hiring advice to contribute. I mean, it's been very interesting and humbling. Um, I mean, I went from being incredibly, incredibly busy to, yeah, the lights went out. And I'm, I'm so sorry, but we will be, we will get past this. There is light at the end of the tunnel, you know, whether it's 2021 will be the best year you ever had, Karen. I, I, I can't speak to that, but I can tell you it'll be a heck of a lot better than 2020. But, you know, Simon, when I think of your business, right? And, Cause I talk to a lot of CEOs, you know, and I know, you know, you've gone to and you're a big, a big cheerleader of the CEO summit. Um, and, you know, most of the same CEOs that I do. And look, a lot of them, there's no playbook for this. Right. I mean, there just isn't. You know, we went through this in 9-11. We went through the financial crisis in 07, 08, 09 and the dot com bust. You know, we've gone through and lived through a lot of that stuff and even beyond that. Right. But there's no playbook for a pandemic. Most of us didn't even know what the hell it was in February, March. But but I do know this. You're a ridiculously smart guy. Your team at Cambiar is without without question some of the best and brightest and most intelligent people in the industry. Part of me thinks your businesses could be booming during this because, because from a consulting standpoint, they all need help and helping CEOs navigate through this. And then from, a, from an expense standpoint, I see it's like, no, 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 we can't go out. You know, we can't hire a consultant right now to help us. So fill in the gap. I mean, is, am I kind of right a little bit? A little bit. Um, so our, our business falls into thirds. A third of it is is strategic consulting, operational consulting. A third of it is M&A, and a third of it is corporate training. 
the M&A business, of course, went away, like uh, Karen was saying, the lights just went out. It's beginning to come back a little now. The consulting business, I think there was a lot of shock, a lot of panicking, and then taking a deep breath. And to be honest, what I was trying to do during that time was uh, to really provide a public service, I guess, as to, okay, take a deep breath. What do you need to do? Just taking what Anita was saying, it's very interesting because SMR came out in April and said the industry was going to decline by 22% this year. Yep. Uh, Their latest data paints a slightly different picture that it's probably only going to be, you know, around about 17%. Only. And what's that on the? What's the universe on that? Is that is that eighty billion, Simon? How much is that? No, well, in the states it's about fourteen million, but in the world it's forty-seven million, billion, billion, right? Okay, so forty-seven billion, and they're saying seventeen percent down. Got it? Yeah, but a lot of it was really because people were pivoting very, very fast, as Anita was saying. You know what they did with Cantar Qualitative, uh, the move towards digital. People did react. Once they got over the panic, they did react. But one of the things that they really had to think about, and this is interesting also from the qualitative point of view, was which of these changes that we're seeing is going to be permanent and which is not? And how do I invest in those that are permanent? Um, And where do I reallocate my resources in those changes that are not permanent? And so I spent a lot of time at the beginning actually just talking to people for free nice. because I didn't really want to make money off of their sort of misfortune. And that has led us to um, now consulting contracts as people really are revisiting their strategies for the next two, three, four years. The interesting thing on the other side of our business, the, the training side, is that you know all of our training was in person. And so we had to move it to digital platforms very fast indeed. And that, funnily enough, just took off. Once we'd mastered the digitization of training, clients, corporate clients, were looking to really train their people up in how to react. And so we've, we've seen that side of the business do really well. It's been, it's been somewhat weird. One business closed down. One took a pause and one took off. Nice. Well, it's it's interesting. So I know you said you had given out some free advice and I know you had met with people and done consulting and you're trying to figure out what trend is here to stay and what's not going away. So if I might be so bold, can you give us you know a piece of an insight of, listen, what is here to stay in 2021 and beyond, Simon? I think the most obvious is in qualitative. I think um, Anita's right that some of it will go back to face-to-face. People do like to be you know, face-to-face with customers and consumers and people. But I think an awful lot of it will remain digital uh, as clients become more and more used to that. In quantitative, certainly in markets such as Europe, uh, I think we're going to see yet more um, movement and acceleration of the movement to, to online. Uh, funnily enough, one of the things that is coming back, and this is again, especially in Europe, is phone. Wow. Particularly, yeah. Uh, not, you know, not massive, but it's reversed the trend. 
that it had been on for 10 years, more maybe, and particularly in B2B. I think one of the things I've noticed, Meryl, is that um, some people, as I say, made very agile, very fast decisions. Others had already taken strategic decisions before the pandemic. And depending on what those decisions were, they either you know, were incredibly lucky and grew. One company that you and I know well had made the decision 18 months prior that it was going to do only strategic work and only digital. And they're, they're growing by 30% this year. Others, you know, who maybe had invested in certain industries like travel and tourism or automotive, they're hurting so badly. And it may well be that, you know, those those sectors are going to take a long, long time to come back. Um, and so if you're invested in those sectors, you probably want to look at, um, you know, investing in others uh, for the foreseeable future. Well, look, the reality is, Simon, and you know this, with your elaborate background and experience, you've gone, you've been in the boardroom with so many companies talking about, are you a generalist or you're a specialist, right? Yes, and yes. There's been a lot of people who have been, oh, you got to be a specialist. Okay, let me let me help you. If you're a specialist in the wrong vertical, you got crushed. If you're mm-hmm. a specialist in the wrong methodology, you got crushed. If I mean, it, I mean seriously. And I think one of the we're actually Mark is having an unbelievable year. And you know, when you ask why, luck is the first three reasons. But we did go to digital and we had some terrific partners after making so many mistakes with some of the partners that we had chosen over the last seven or eight years. My mistakes are paramount, huge. But finally, we got it right with companies like Zappy Store. And, you know, we went deeper and wider in a lot of our accounts and we actually opened up different verticals. So we were able to diversify. And I think companies who did that are in a little bit better position than ones that were a specialist for sure, you know? Yeah, I think vertical specialization in particular, you know, was luck of the draw. Um, it was, yep. And yep. I think methodological, If you know, I, I think those who were really keeping up with the trends, really paying attention to the trends, had already, had already moved away from methodologies that were going to, to crush them. I think it was those who hadn't moved um, those who were comfortable being an old-fashioned research shop that got mega crushed. But yeah, luck, luck, luck. There, there, there was a heck of a lot of that going around, a lot of it bad, some of it good. Yep. Yeah. Well, thankfully, I, I think I spent extra to buy some some good luck this year. But hey, Anita, I want to get back to something you said, which I thought was really interesting. You said, you know, this has been a learning process and I'm going to have a little bit of a twist here, Anita, if you don't mind, which is what have you learned about yourself in the last eight months during the pandemic? Wow. Well, that's a, that's a big question. Um, I well, think I listen, I told you, we know we rehearsed this every day for the last three weeks, right, Anita? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think what I've learned about myself is that I'm probably a little more resilient than than I maybe thought I was. I mean, I think, you know, for someone like me, this this obviously I did not take the 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 biggest challenge of, you know, the biggest hit in, in other words in terms of ways of working and whatnot, because we could pivot to digital and, and things like that. But for me personally, 
you know, I'm an extrovert. So, you know, I love getting out in the world. I love going to the office every day. I love, you know, chatting over coffee with a young person who just gotten into the business. I love, you know, traveling to a new market, a new country and visiting the team there. And, you know, I knew, I love hosting a client panel like I did last year in Dubai, you know, I really like being in the world. So for me personally, since we're talking personal, um, you know, I, to, to sit into, uh, you know, what is it, it, basically my home office, which is a guest bedroom makeshift, you know, with this antique desk to come up to this room every day and to try to give it your all, you know, it's been, um, it's been a challenge for somebody like me who feeds off of other people. And so, you know, even when I didn't feel like it, I, I've tried to just, search down deep to say, okay, you know, keep going, keep pushing. And even though your tank isn't getting refilled because you're not seeing people, which is where you get your energy, you know, you're still needing to bring your very best every day, um, to the, to the business. And so I've had to just adjust on what the very best for me in this role looks like. And sometimes the very best is just being there available to talk to somebody in another country on a zoom call and to listen to their problems and to be able to help brainstorm and, and answer those. And it's not necessarily as glamorous or as exciting as it was in 2019, but it's necessary. And um, at the end of the week, I can still feel like, okay, you're still bringing the best of yourself to the role, even though what the shape of this looks quite different. Yeah, no, well said. So Karen, before I ask you a question, what color hair do you have? Because we're not on a Zoom call. I have not been well I had my hairdresser come up here once and that's it so it's a it's a mess but what's the color it can still be it can still be a mess but a different well, color with some you know some gray coming through oh, okay well because over the years I've seen you with what red I think a little orange once in a while right I mean you really have been your hair color from time to time can change right it can but yeah I've been very, very cautious through this because my husband's asthmatic. So, um, yeah, I'm just making it work. But I'm, yes, obviously, like all of us, I'm on a lot of Zoom calls. So I may need to figure something out. But I'm missing, yes, I need to put some pink something back in. When you, when Karen, let me ask you, with regard to your business, what, do you, what excites you for 2021? I know, obviously, the close of 2020 and obviously a vaccine that we all can use. But what excites you for your business next year? Well, I'm excited for it to um, start. And, and I am optimistic that um, that things will improve. Um, I'm excited to see how, you know, the, what Anita was talking about, the way that companies have pivoted and how this has impacted the research community, what that's going to look like in terms of talent you know, how I can help with that. One thing I'm I'm a little concerned about based on the last recession, and I'm sort of seeing some of those trends happening is that, you know, we, you were talking about sort of specialization versus generalization. I feel like, and I'd love to hear what Simon and Anita feel about this too, and you, that pre-pandemic, as we all know, it was a very, very, very tight talent market but some of that I felt was self-imposed. I felt like we were just looking for so much in one individual. We, we didn't recover 
right? A lot of the jobs went away in the last recession. And what happened is companies were like, ooh, goody, we can do, you know, just as much with less people. And that trend has sort of continued on to the point where I think we were kind of close to a breaking point. I was hearing from a lot of people, you know, burnout, that they were also really frustrated if they were out there looking because they would, you know, have to have like the interview process would go on and on and on and jumping through hoops. And it was really frustrating. And so there was, I think, a lot of frustration. And I I was talking about this because I thought it was getting to a breaking point. Now, obviously, now there's more talent available. But what I'm hearing and seeing from some clients is, well, we really only want to talk to people who are employed as if, being laid off or furloughed right now is some somehow a reflection on you. Now, certainly some companies, you know, probably clean house a little bit, but a lot there are a lot of great people out there that I'm speaking with who are terribly frustrated. So, you know, what I want to do is help companies sort of maybe be a bit more open-minded and creative um, and I don't know, coming through this, I'm not sure which way that's going to go. Yeah. One of the things that really concerns me for 21 is I'm talking to more and more CEOs and they're getting their talent poached, right? So they've been loyal during this process as I have been. And the, the reality is, if you think about it, right, back in the day, it's, hey, I need somebody with seven, eight years of experience. I need somebody who worked for a client organization or supplier. And oh, by the way, I need them based in Cincinnati or LA or Chicago, right? So it was a, it was a little bit more of a limiting search based on geography. Now it's with the geography away, right? With its, hey, I just need somebody with six or seven years of experience. I don't care where they work. They can work out of their house, I think what's going to happen is a lot more people are going to get poached and they're going to jump for seven, eight thousand dollars more or nine thousand dollars. And I, I think they have to be just concerned and aware that that could just be short lived. And if they jump and it doesn't work out, they might be in a bad situation. So I don't know if any of you guys are seeing that. That is a concern of mine for 2021 for sure. That, that too many younger people, especially, they jump. For, oh my God, I'm going to get free coffee. I'm going to get a new job, right? Where I've had seven jobs in my career, you know, somebody who's younger may have seven jobs in their first 15 years, right? Simon, do you have any comments on on that? Do you agree with what I said or not really? I don't know. I've been talking to people who have said, you know, I've been offered this job. They don't care where I work. So I'm quite happy to to work from, uh, from home. And occasionally, you know, go and see people in the office. And if they're happy with that, then that's great. I think there are others who will want to join a sort of physical community and, and they, they probably will be more judicious in their, their job choices. I haven't seen as much as you have or Karen in terms of poaching as yet. I have seen an explosion of people setting up on their own. Um, I don't know if you've seen that, Karen, but it's interesting, just in our little corner of the woods, you know, when I started Cambio 16 years ago, there were just two companies, ourselves and one other, and we bought the other one a few years later. Now, when I look at people who claim to do the same thing, there's approaching a 100. And a lot of these are people who've been laid off and they're at the later 
times in their careers. And they're going, okay, I'm going to set up. And so uh, there's a bit of a fragmentation going on. And I personally, you know, to, to Karen's point about what sort of talent is going to be sought, I wouldn't mind betting that a lot of companies are going to be looking for uh, people who are in the data analytics field, you know, people who may well trend younger and cheaper. But one thing I do hope for, Merrill, next year um, is that all the focus on diversity will actually start to come through and we'll see this in the following years and we'll see a much more diverse work, workforce and insights. I really, really hope to see that. I think we will. I think there's a lot of people doing some great work. Women in research are doing that. I know that. Color and insights. Yep. Every, yeah. yeah. Absolutely, Simon. Well said. And 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 I think that everybody is really trying. I mean, that when I talk to a lot of CEOs, we have discussions about that. You know, it's it's interesting. I want to get back to the point that you just said about a hundred competitors or whatever. Think about what the cost of entry is. Zero. Well, I was going to say, is it two thousand dollars? Because you got to have a computer, right? So if you leave your company, not everybody has a personal computer. It's a company computer, but you need a broken phone, a pencil. And you need basically a name, which, okay, on the mark, I came up with that in about three seconds. Um, it's not hard to come up with a name. And the reality is the entry point here is nothing. It's a couple thousand bucks max. And the reality is if they have a few connections, if they're as old as I am and been in the industry for a long time, they have some connections, they have some friendships, and they'll get some work. And it, they can make a go of it if they get a couple projects. So I, I totally agree. And I've seen that same trend. Hey, guys, final comment. What do you say to people who are struggling, to people who are having a rough go of it or in transition and can't find anything? Simon, what do you want to leave them, the, the people who are in that boat right now? I think the, the key to it is really uh, networking like crazy and not being afraid one very personal example, my daughter graduated with a master's. She'd been 10 years in the industry. She was changing, switching careers. She couldn't find anybody who was going to hire. So she set up on her own. Good. She's doing great. Good for her. Good for her. Nice. Um, Anita, what do you want to add? I think networking is spot on. You know, you never know um, when opportunity is going to present themselves. And, and often, you know, the opportunities are so fresh and new that they're not even they don't even get posted before they're filled. You know, so I think that's one thing that I've noticed is just keeping in close contact with with your network and letting people know you're available and what you're interested in, I think is really good. I know I've had a lot of people reach out to me in the last few months and um, I'm keeping those connections alive so that when we're in a position to, you know, do something, then, you know, I can make those connections for them at a local level. So, um, yeah, I think that's spot on. Um, absolutely. And keep reading, keep studying, keep in the know, because there's so much great thought leadership out there right now. It's just, it's, there's so much to read. I feel like I'm always behind on my reading, but yep. it's great. Good. That's good. Good takeaway. All right, Miss Morgan, your last final comment from you before we sign off. Well, I absolutely agree with Anita and Simon. I think it's network, network, network. Do not be shy. Reach out to everyone, anyone, you know, and also just 
reach out to people and just say, hey, I'd love to have a conversation, a general conversation. Don't even make it necessarily about I'm looking or whatever, because I, I feel like people are so open to connecting right now. I mean, I've connected with all sorts of people that, you know, just to have a chat, you know, just be, yeah, just stay visible. I know it's so difficult and my heart goes out. And believe me, there have been days where I've just, you know, by the end of the day, I just want to break down because you can't, I can't help enough people. I'm sure we all feel like that. But I think I, what I will say is it will get better. And what I've seen over the many, many years I've been doing this, the people who just stay on it and keep going. And even sometimes it might take a long time and you think it's never going to happen. It, it will. Well, we are going to end with that, Karen. Very profound. It will get better. Karen, Anita, and Simon, I can't thank you enough for your time today. Thanks again for listening. This is the On The Mark podcast. My name is Meryl Dubrow. Have a great day.